Welcome back to the Fair Housing Pod. My name is Sarah from Fair Housing Contact Service in Akron, Ohio. Thank you for joining us here today. We are here to build a new presence in our community as a part of our mission to inform and educate folks on their fair housing rights. Today, we will be discussing a little bit more about the disability aspect of federally protected classes under the Fair Housing Act. As we've discussed in previous episodes, the Fair Housing Act details federally protected classes. One of these is called disability. The Fair Housing Act defines persons with a disability as individuals with a physical or mental impairment that subsequently limits one or more major life activity, individuals who are regarded as having such an impairment, or individuals with a record of such impairment. Under the Fair Housing Laws, the definition of disability is extremely broad and does not just apply to someone with a physical or visible disability, nor does it just apply to someone who receives Social Security disability income. Physical or mental impairments, also referred to as visible or invisible, include visual, speech and hearing, cerebral palsy, autism, epilepsy, diabetes, emotional illnesses, HIV and AIDS, former drug addiction, cancer, and more. So, what is considered a major life activity? Caring for oneself, performing manual tasks, walking, seeing, hearing, speaking, breathing, learning. So, what does it mean to be regarded as having such an impairment? A physical or mental impairment that substantially limits one or more major life activities only a result of the attitudes of others towards such impairment, or having none of the impairments defined in the Fair Housing Act of this definition, but is treated by another person as having such an impairment. Record of such an impairment includes, but is not limited to, having a history of mental or physical impairment that substantially limits one or more major life activities. Now that we have come to a better understanding of how disabilities relate to the Fair Housing Act, we are going over another aspect of disability protections. These are called reasonable accommodations and reasonable modifications. A reasonable accommodation refers to a change in a housing provider's rules, policies, and or procedures to allow a person with a disability equal opportunity to use and enjoy a dwelling. The Fair Housing Act prohibits housing providers from refusing residency to persons with disabilities or placing conditions on their residency because they require reasonable accommodations. Housing providers are also required to grant reasonable accommodations to tenants with disabilities. So what are some examples of reasonable accommodations? Allowing a service and or emotional support animals. Allowing a live-in aid assigning a parking space, changing the rent due date, moving from one unit to another without charging a fee. Who pays for a reasonable accommodation? Reasonable accommodations often do not have a cost associated with them. However, if there is a cost, it is the housing provider's responsibility to cover the expenses. For example, The cost of purchasing and installing a sign at an assigned parking space would be the responsibility of the housing provider. Reasonable modifications refer to any change to the common use areas of a building or any change to a unit necessary to allow a person with a disability equal use and enjoyment of a dwelling. So, who pays for a reasonable modification? 
It is usually the tenant's responsibility to pay for a reasonable modification, but there are situations where the housing provider may be responsible for a modification, such as a property was built after March 13, 1991 and is subject to new construction requirements which include certain accessible features, or a property receives federal assistance and therefore is required to have certain accessibility features. If you are unsure of whether or not you are responsible for paying a reasonable modification, call us at Fair Housing Contact Service and we'd be happy to speak with you. So, what are some examples of reasonable modifications? Widening of doorways, installing grab bars, lowering heights of kitchen cabinets, installing a ramp, installing automatic water faucet shutoff, installing or removing carpet, lowering or raising the height of switches, outlets, or thermostats, installing levered door handles, installing pictures, color-coded signs, or pathways for people with cognitive disabilities, or installing fire alarms that are specific to folks that are hard of hearing. So, what is the process for requesting a reasonable accommodation or a reasonable modification? It is the tenant's responsibility to make a request for a reasonable accommodation or reasonable modification. Requests may be made at any time and in any format. However, best practice is to put all requests in writing. Even better, to send all communication through certified mail or certificate of mail. What do you need to know about a letter that states a need for a reasonable accommodation or a reasonable modification? A tenant is not required to disclose the diagnosis, nature, or extent of their disability. The letter only needs to state the requested reasonable accommodation or reasonable modification and how it is related to their disability. It is also best practice to include how it is necessary for that tenant's equal enjoyment of the housing unit. So, can housing providers request proof of a disability? A housing provider is not permitted to ask a person with a disability any questions about the nature and or extent of their disability. If the disability and or connection between the disability and the request are not necessarily obvious or could be considered not visible, a housing provider may request documented proof. Documentation may come from a third-party person who has knowledge of and can confirm the disability and the connection to the reasonable accommodation or modification request. You should be prepared to obtain this documentation upon making your request or submit it along with your written request. So, can a tenant be denied a reasonable accommodation or modification request? A tenant's request for a reasonable accommodation or a reasonable modification can be denied if and only if a. it creates an undue financial and administrative burden, b. is a fundamental alteration to the provision of housing, or c. is unrelated to the person's disability. If a housing provider must deny a request for one of the above listed reasons, they have a duty to discuss this matter with the resident and work to identify if there is another option that would satisfy the tenant's need. This is known as engaging in the interactive process. If you feel that your reasonable accommodation or reasonable modification request has been unjustly denied, you should contact us at Fair Housing Contact Service. So, let's move on to animal assistance. 
Animals necessary for disability provide assistance and or perform tasks for the benefit of a person with a disability. They also provide emotional support that alleviates one or more identified symptoms or effects of a person's disability. Animals necessary for disability perform many disability-related functions. These functions could include, but are not limited to, service, companionship, therapy, or support. Examples of assistance animals are a dog who detects oncoming seizures and alerts its companion, a cat who reduces symptoms of a disability by providing emotional support, or a bird alerting its hard-of-hearing companion to sounds such as doorbells, alarms, etc. So, what kind of animals are permitted? No animals are specifically named or excluded from the law as emotional support animals. The Fair Housing Act offers a broad definition of what animals are permitted in housing. Now, it is important to stress that there is a difference between animal assistants that are classified as emotional support animals and service animals. At this point in time, the only accepted or recognized service animals are dogs and miniature horses. Specifically, service animals are trained from a young age to perform specific disability-related tasks for their handlers. This is different from emotional support animals that do not have any breed or species limits so, what about animal training and documentation? Training and documentation are not required for animals that are necessary for disability, such as emotional support animals. They are not required to wear any patches or harnesses stating their need for their handler's disability. At this moment, there is no national or statewide registry for emotional support animals. As with any reasonable accommodation, a letter stating the need for the accommodation from someone familiar with the person's disability-related need is the best practice. Any online registry is likely a scam to get money out of vulnerable populations. So, what if a housing provider has a no-pets policy? Well. It is unlawful for housing providers to deny persons with animals necessary for their disability access to housing based on their need for such an animal. To do so could be considered an act of discrimination. Making a change to a no-pet policy to allow an animal that is necessary for disability is considered a reasonable accommodation. So what if a housing provider has rules for pets, a pet deposit, or other pet-related policies? Animals necessary for a disability are not considered pets. However, a resident must properly care for and handle the animal. A housing provider cannot charge a pet deposit or exclude an animal for its weight, breed, or size. Well, that's it for today. We hope that this helped your understanding of your fair housing rights. If you have any questions or concerns about what you heard today, please feel free to give us a call at 330 376 6191. Until next time, we hope that you stay safe and stay well. And remember that we all deserve a place to call home.